You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NBB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of October 30th, although we might come out a little bit earlier. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Saturday morning is my buddy Jim Allen. How's the weather in Osaka, bud? No, no, my eyes are still closed. <laughs> Six early in the morning, dude. <laughs> Six early in the morning, he says. Yeah. Six yeah, early at zero dark 30. That's what I got over here. So at least we're in the same time zone. <laughs> oh, glad you could go down. Yeah, glad you could go down to Osaka for the uh, for the Japan series. And uh, you're looking well. And thank you for waking up early and getting all those uh, <laughs> interviews for us. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Typically, the Japan series is hundreds of reporters chasing single players who stop and then answer the the questions that I don't really care what they answer to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel? And, well, I mean, I did some of that with Yuma Mune yesterday, and we had never talked, and I, I watched him. <laughs> I watched him. Uh-huh. examine two baseball gloves inside and out weigh them in his hand he was in must he was he was he was a, a baseball glove whisperer well <laughs> i mean he was he was prone on the dugout floor in kyocera dome he's got one glove on one side they're different colors and and he's feeling them and he's looking at them and he's studying them and this is going on for a long time well, that's something to watch out for during the series. Which uh, yeah, which gloves well, I come over. I tweet about that. And I said, "What's up with the gloves, <laughs> Doctor Strange glove?" Hashtag hide. <laughs> I said, "What? What's the difference?" And he said, "They've got different lettering." He All was right. checking out which one looked cooler. Well, you know, you know, you don't want the ball to bounce off one of those uh, misspelled words or uh, poorly written kanji. <laughs> you want the and ball asked, bouncing off. Yeah, of so I asked him. I said, you know, because I remember, you know, we had those great that great line from somebody who played for the Swallows, and you got it. And, he, and I'm talking about experience in the playoffs mm-hmm. and about how if you've done it before, you know that it, if you, you know, you kick a ball around or you. You have a bat at bat. The people, you know, that your dog still loves you. Your family still loves you. Your friends are still on your side. Your teammates still got your back. The world doesn't end. So you kind of put that, you know, you don't have to worry about the world falling if you make a, a mistake. And he said, Oh, that's nice. I still am nervous as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> I said, But this is the third time. He says, I don't care. I'm still Doesn't nervous. Matter. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You, and I guess that explains excited. the glove. <laughs> glove love. Glove love, indeed. <laughs> well, on this week's show, Jim has uh, gotten us a few interviews, but we'll use two of them this time uh, with Leandro Cedeno of Oryx. And then he's got one with Sheldon Noisy of Hanshin. And we'll talk about the Japan series. We'll look at Thursday's amateur draft and dive into some more high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. Okay, well, I was at Osaka Dome, as I said, it was really not like a Japan series. It was very cool and relaxed, very few reporters. And I I have to think that after, you know, when May 8th, when the coronavirus stopped, you know, became a common cold in Japan mm-hmm. officially, and 
government stop saying we're not counting and telling you how many people are sick anymore so just do that on your own do it to play that game uh, that, that Count on your fingers game. yeah <laughs> play that game and score at home we're not going to score for you bring your own score sheet so uh when that happened all most basically most of the team said yeah whatever we're still going to keep the reporters bottled up and it, you know Put them in, put them in little boxes, pretty much, and plastic and masks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and <laughs> off the field and away from our players as much as possible. And so, I think it was a case of after a year of this, the reporters covering the Japan series are trained. You know, the teams go sit and they sit. They, you know whatever whatever dog commands i'm waiting i was waiting for the pr guy to come over and say roll over (laughs) (laughs) they are so neutered well i'm not rolling over unless i get a treat (laughs) yeah exactly that was my thinking too i'm going maybe they'll give us some little tigers candies or something but pretty much yeah the the japan media is completely and totally neutered by the teams and i and i tell you there's no way they're going to change it next year because they like it they're going like man we got them where we want them so anyway uh and i did let some people some the couple of npb administrators <laughs> i gave them a piece of my mind about that one good uh, anyway so it was like that but I didn't have any trouble talking to people. I had a had a nice chat with with the the three guys you, we mentioned earlier, and a couple of other people, including Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It was the first time we really talked, which was fun. And so, uh, anyway, so the first uh, guy I'm talking to, I've talked to a few times this year, Leandro Sereno of the uh, the Oryx Buffaloes. He came here on a developmental contract. And he's put some some uh, some big swings on some on very tough pitches, and then after the practice, uh, I was able after after the practice when the uh, the Hunching Tigers PR machine got into working order and uh, scolded me for attempting to have human interaction with people. Hashtag high heat. They said. You are required to talk to our players in the parking lot when they are done with what we require them to do. You are not allowed to interrupt them. And so I waited in the parking lot for an hour or so, and the players dripped out. And uh, I got Sheldon noisy while he was waiting to get his taxi home. All the Tigers pretty much drove to the park because they all live in the Osaka area anyway. Sure, yeah. So, so that was that. So we talked. So have a listen and enjoy. Okay, our guest on the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast for the second time is uh, Leo Leandro Cedeno of the Orcs Buffaloes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you. Oh, it's always a pleasure to see you. Now, tell me about your first season. I'm almost over. What kind of lessons are you taking from the season? You think, okay, this is something I can do a little better next year because I'm ready. Uh, nothing. Just like it's kind of hard to be in your first season. You don't know any of the pitcher. Or it's kind of hard for us. But like, you just have to be consistent during the batting practice and during the the practice, like doing defense or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just learn to be consistent for the next couple of years and coming back with the audit. 
are there some is are there some reasons you think ah oh, this is why maybe I should have realized maybe I should have known this and I and I I'll be better next year. Yeah, yeah, they like in the offensive part, like the pitcher doesn't repeat uh, the pitches, they meets a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, until you know, until you know what they're gonna throw, and you face it maybe one more time. Yeah, it's gonna be better. That's what I, that's what I think. It's gonna be better if I coming back for next year. Okay, now it's been a. I mean, you, here you are. You started in the as on a developmental contract, and now you're playing in the Japan Series. How's that feel? No, that was amazing. I never, I never thought I was gonna be here. Like I just do my best every day, and hopefully I got the opportunity to to go to the top team. And now, now I'm here, like enjoying the time and doing my best. Seems this team's really loose all the time. Is that pretty much the case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing is amazing. Like the players help us a, a lot. Like they try to to help us and everything, and give it whatever they can give it to us. And it's pretty nice to be here. As I said, I was watching that. I was watching. I watched the Carter Stewart's games really carefully, and that home run you hit off of Fukui. That was a good pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pitched pretty good. Like he's one of the best pitchers in the rotation on the softball. He yeah. got me he got me out a couple times but hopefully I get I get the home and put the thing on top. Yeah that pitch before was a really good fastball and you were you missed it by a lot. Were you looking for another fastball? Yeah there? I was looking for another fastball. You throw hard I was trying to hit a fastball. I was a little straight a little a little outside. Yeah a little outside. That was my pitch I take it. Okay. Alright so now what's your after the season's over, do you have any things you're going to change a little bit in your off season? You're thinking, okay, this is going to um, this is going to help me for playing in Japan next year. No, I like I'm going to try to do the same thing. Just try to be a little more consistent in everything I do, and that should be all for next year. Now, what impressed you the most about the the players in Japan? Because it's obviously a new kind of a new way of thinking about, about baseball than maybe what you're used to. Uh, yeah, like they they so like. They like to do the team almost perfect, mm-hmm. and it's a good thing that you can take from there. And it's amazing to play in that in that league, like NPB. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to be here. Okay, all right. Well, I'm not going to keep you too long, but thank you so much, and good luck in the series. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, our next guest on the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast is Sheldon Noisy of the Hanshin Tigers, and we're here in Osaka Dome about to play the Japan Series. So congratulations on winning the pennant. Thank you. And congratulations on a, on a finishing the first season. It looked like it was really a hard one for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, ups and downs, a lot more downs than ups. But as a team, we were able to, to grind through everything, and we were able to win a bunch of baseball games this year. Like yeah. you said, winning first place in the Central Division was a big deal, and you know, I'm just glad that I was here to be a part of that. And mm. I wish I could have contributed a little bit more, obviously, but it all comes down to this last series. So hopefully we can go out there and perform the way that I know I can yeah. and find a way to help us win. Okay, so obviously, uh, is, are these the biggest games you've played in it professionally? Yeah, I mean, I would... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be hard to, to put it up there with anything else. I mean... Other than the dream playing in the MLB, you know, things like that. But yeah. to come over here and the first year, you know, when the Central Division hasn't been done in 18 years. And then sure. to come to the Japan Series or the Nippon Series and to come in and, you know, it's it's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm ready to get going. We came off of a pretty good series this last series, obviously. We struggled a little bit offensively, but our pitching staff has picked us up like they have all year. So hopefully this series we can turn it around and 
provide them a little bit more offense. Yeah, that one was even closer than those scores were. I thought, you know, it's going to be whoever gets like, just that last squeaking hit through or something. Yeah, it's, it just comes down to getting the guys on base and getting the big hit when you need to. It doesn't matter if it comes in the first inning or the last inning. Okay, well, having said that, and, and lots of ups and downs this year, uh, now as you're thinking about this year and next year, what kind of lessons did you pick up or anything you're thinking, you know, I can definitely do this better next year. I can... I'll be ready for this. Like I want to. I work think being able this. to turn it around and just being more consistent. Okay. <clears throat> and I think that's been the biggest thing. I mean, I went through a stretch this year where I was, I mean, I was hitting the ball well, I was hitting right. the ball hard. I think I had like nine or ten lineouts, you know, okay. in, in like twelve games. So, I mean, if I could just keep that up through the consistency of a full season, I mean, things are going to turn around. The numbers are going to be what they are. Uh, I'm just not pressing so much. Okay. I think that you know. First year, you know, we want to perform and getting used to the pitching. The pitching's different. I mean, right. you guys with different motions, not some different arm angles. The pitches are different, you know. Right. Cutter here is a little different than a cutter back there. Sure. Um, it all kind of factors in. And just getting comfortable, I think, is the biggest thing. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Now, I was asked because the punching is famous for being very for having hyperinflated expectations of the import players and then coming here and it's like, you know, guys who do quite well, sometimes they're like, you know, they're not what we expected, but you know, they Okada stuck with you the whole time, you know, if they're good and bad and how does that, how do you feel about that? No, I mean, I, I'm very appreciative of it, you know, I know that he trusts me enough and, you know, that I think that says a lot especially mm-hmm. to go out there and to keep rolling me out there in that lineup you know, and a lot of it helps when the team's winning. Sure. You know, and so at that point, I'm not hitting the way that I want. I'm just trying to do everything that I can to find a way to help the team win, whether it's getting a guy to third with less than two outs or moving a runner or getting them in and not, not worrying about so much my personal results as it is. This is what we need right now, and this is what the team needs, and well, it's just did, more important. You did have a couple of big hits in that Climax series that were key to your guys winning, so. Yeah, I mean, like I said, feel pretty good going into this series right now and hopefully can come in and provide a little bit more offense you know for our team and it's the last series so hopefully do it a little different than i did in the regular season but like i said the biggest thing is winning the game so it really doesn't matter what i do true enough true enough at the end uh, championships worth everything right okay well anyway congratulations on getting through the first season on you know and on your feet which is not always an easy accomplishment Sure, thank you. I okay. appreciate it. Okay, and good luck going forward. Yes, sir. Stay thank healthy. You. Hopefully nice to meet talk you. to you next year, if, if not uh, this weekend. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Thank you, guys. <laughs> and thank you, Jim, for going out and getting us some interviews before the series. It, but this is awesome. This is, You're welcome. Uh, it was so unlike, it was more like a preseason game than a Japan series. And I think that goes to the, like I said, I think the reporters have been cowed. Um, yeah. They're just not. They're just waiting for the team to tell them, you know, what questions they can ask and who they can talk to and what they can do. And I'm surprised there isn't a dress code. You know, these are the color <laughs> socks you got to wear today. You're in fine form this morning. I love it. <laughs> Ornery Jim. Well, um, yeah, I'd love to be down there with you, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad I, I didn't even try to apply for a credential this time because, there is so much going on in my real life that I oh, likely yeah. would not have even been able to go. So I'm glad you're down there and talking to people. And um, I'll just jump into it when you when you 
when you talk to golfers, I'm, I'm going to start with Leandro. Um, when you talk to golfers, you know, I don't know if you've been out at some tournaments or anything, oh, but sure. um, uh, after the round, uh, when the golfers come in and the reporters ask them, uh, okay, what about your shot on the seventh hole, uh, your second shot on the seventh hole? And they'll tell you how they'll tell you the distance. Sure. They'll tell you the the club they used and they will tell you what they were thinking and, and describe it. And even if you go a week later to another tournament, they can still remember. They're like mm. uh, elephants, right? They can remember the, sl- the smallest details forever, it seems. And mm. when you were talking to Leon- Leandro about that at bat against Carter Stewart Jr., of course, it was a home run. It's memorable. Mm. But you're talking about the pitches and he's right there with you mm. talking about each pitch and what he was thinking. And uh, that just kind of reminded me of, of the golfer. And it just shows you that these guys take all these at bats. I, I bet if you asked him about the other at bats in those games and how they turned out and what he was looking for and uh, how he made outs, he'll, he'd be able to tell you that too. And I, I just love that. I love the detail. And we always think as observers that, well, this guy struck out and, um, he's not good enough or something like that, but they go back to the dugout, the pitcher files away information, the batter files away information for the next confrontation. And it, it's not, it's not something that they don't keep in their heads and that, mm. you know, we're disappointed that they struck out, but the player is even more disappointed. And he's thinking about how to do better, how to better perform. And again, the pitcher is thinking, okay, well, I got him with that, but what am I going to do next time? You know, it's so, it's so awesome to see how these guys stay productive. And when you hear a player talk about, when was this at bat? We're talking July, August, right? Uh, Yeah, July, I think. Yeah, I think it was July. And uh, you just think about how guys have to adjust and what it takes to have success and be consistent. And I think that's part of it that you mm. have to remember all these instances and what pitches and where they were. And uh, the, the, the pitchers talk about execution, but the players are talking about their swings. And, you know, I, I think it comes across clearly in that chat, even though it was brief. Uh, what about you? What, what stuck well, out that's you? an issue. I, I find that it's, it's pretty much true with most professional athletes that I've, I've had that kind of interaction with. Oh, it's like, yes, the tent, the spin on that. I was trying to spin the ball that I was trying a, a, a slice on my serve there. Or, and I find, you know, I, the, the reason I want to mention this is because I interviewed Nori Chikaoki. First time I interviewed Nori Chikaoki in Japan with the Yakult Swallows, you know, he said he wanted to hit more home runs off of left-handers. And I and I noticed that he had hit, this was his second year or something, or his second year after his rookie of the year season, maybe. And he hit, I think, 10 home runs. And uh, one home run was off a lefty. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, you remember that at bat. You know, most players will tell you what socks they were wearing when they hit a home run. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, those I was one of the blue ones that day. And uh, which is akin to the Japan baseball draft a little bit to some degree, which we'll get to later. But but he was going like, oh, did I? Did I hit one? Who is it off? I'm like, what? It's what like, planet are you from, bro? I know, because it's so atypical of, of pro baseball players. But yeah, we were it was almost like that game was was being shown on the big screen on the video because we both i as i said 
you know, I was paying attention to what Carter Stewart was throwing. And I was also paying attention to those that there at bats. And so uh, we were we were on the same page, which is pretty rare at my age. I'm pretty much not on the same page with myself. So that was that was uh, quite fun. And he's such a cheerful, pleasant guy um, that I got to I'm dying to talk to him with a Spanish interpreter because it's got to be something I I just really enjoy him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then for me, as far as Sheldon Noisy now, as most of you uh, faithful listeners might remember, I had an unfortunate incident in September uh, during which I had an interview with Sheldon. We spoke. Had a pretty good interview, had a got nice chat, but my iPhone decided to cut off a minute and a half into the chat and I didn't notice. And so we lost it. And, um, I think that was the, uh, the Jose Mota show <laughs> because we had that interview in the preseason and I, I played that. Uh, we used that for the interview for that week. So uh, I had talked to Sheldon before. I gotten an idea of what kind of person he is what kind of personality and i have to say he was more talkative in this chat with you than he was with me when i spoke to him and i think part of that was because when i spoke to him it was before he went out to practice so the players trickle out of the dugout they do a little pre-stretching and then they just kind of meander around and then they all get into their groups and start to work out uh or stretch or whatever the team function is for that particular moment and uh i caught Sheldon before we were he was going to do that so I think he had he had time but he didn't have a lot of time mm-hmm. and so I think his questions were I I just don't think he was as forthcoming as he could have been with details but with you he added extra details in there he he was talkative and he's generally I think a no-nonsense guy anyway you know uh if you ask him about what happened on a particular game in a particular game he'll say well you know we didn't score enough runs or the other team beat us and I think that's basically his 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 whole approach. But uh, you know, and he said that a couple of times in this chat, we need to score more runs, we need to get outs, we need to win games, whatever it takes to do that. Now, I know his 240 average probably uh, you know, I happen to think it's pretty good, especially when you hear him say that the cutters here in Japan are different from the cutters back home. Mm. So making those adjustments, getting all the timing things done, um, you know, 240 and being able to play as much as he did with uh, with the Tigers, a, a Tigers team that has, you know, has capable other uh, replacement level guys who could go in there and maybe hit 240. But he was the guy who got the nod. So I think he did a good job. So, I, I mean, we try even the players do. They might focus on the, the 240s and the average and other stuff. But to hear him talk about. Um, not worrying about personal results when you have to have the team first approach. And so that's why I always talk about those. There are a number of at-bats and we can't count them because it all, you know, we don't look at the situations. We don't know what the coaches are telling them to do. We don't know uh, what the game plan is against specific pitchers, but there are a number of at-bats that you have in a season that don't belong to you as the batter because the coaches are telling you to do specific things. And you need to hit, for example, you need to hit the ball to the right side. I don't care whatever happens, whatever pitch you get, <laughs> hit it to the right side, get the get the runner over. Um, and you just have that objective. Now, you know, it's not in your best interest in terms of adding to your stats or helping you get that next uh, move up to that next tax bracket with your next contract. But it's going to help the team win. And, uh, you, you know, we you get a real good sense of that. And I, and I after hearing him say that. 
I had the feeling that there's a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of approach going on with the Tigers this year, and that you know this this bat that bat might be you, but it it doesn't belong to you. We need you to do this in this particular at bat, and that's what I came away thinking is that the the Tigers have a real detailed approach for each each situation that comes up in a game. I wouldn't I wouldn't dispute that, and so there's there's one red letter for our hit podcast history but uh i i think uh my 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 spin on that is are a couple of things one is i took you know i asked him about because i as we were talking yesterday about stefan romero and i mentioned a tweet i did last year when the tigers this time last year said we're releasing four of our players and i announced that the tigers announced they intend to sign four new players that they expect to be disappointed with next year (laughs) that that's really the tigers thing and 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 why that is is probably much more complicated or perhaps much simpler than i imagine and in fact i have an opportunity to ask some of the Tigers beat writers about that. And I'll probably get 20 different answers while I'm here. But there's another factor as as to the question of why Sheldon Noisy, Noisy, who was, I'm certainly not as productive as the Tigers expected. He wasn't as productive as he expected. Mm. Uh, why he basically played the whole season in left field for them and when the you know the local media was basically calling for him to be sent to a gulag in Siberia, and and I said you know I put that down to Okada, and I think there is a lot to that. A manager who really doesn't care a lot what the media says here, mm-hmm. and he's always cheerful and good natured, which uh, with them. But I think it also speaks to Sheldon Noisy, because you know we've seen these guys who are whose you know whose superficial numbers are borderline their roles are borderline their roles are marginal but teams and not just japan teams mlb teams sometimes keep these guys around for a variety of reasons Reasons. Mm. now sometimes because okay the manager doesn't want to get rid of the guy who helped him out in the past but when you see a player who is not, uh, you know, meeting probably expectations in some areas and some obvious areas, but they're still hanging in there and playing, you've got either a team culture issue, but you've also got a player who is buying into the team culture and who is who's I'm just say simply this is a really good teammate. So we saw that with Muninori Kawasaki in in the major in MLB, mm-hmm. and we saw that, of course, here with uh, Ernesto Mejia with mm-hmm. the Cebu Lions. They kept the, a guy on a big contract as a, as a, they renewed a big contract for a guy who was essentially a bench player, mm-hmm. uh, and teams in Japan generally don't do that. So it speaks, I think, to to Sheldon Noisy's ability to. Uh, integrate with the Hanshin Tigers, which is a, not an easy thing to do. Although Jeremy Beasley said it is super easy, but I, I have a feeling Jeremy Beasley is one of those guys who can get on a bus with fifty-five strangers, and by the time he gets off the bus, everybody knows what his kid's birthday is. <laughs> so you're saying he's like me? 
<laughs> Perhaps, yes, but he might he might actually eat fish or something. But oh. yeah. Oh, you had to be mean. All I'm right, not being mean. I'm being That's honest. Right. Take a swing. I can handle it. <laughs> I can't swing. It's too early. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for getting those uh, those chats. And like I said, you got Beasley coming up for next week, so that that's awesome. And whatever else you can get, we'll we'll take. And uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm not hopeful of getting anything because I think the the team uh, PR people are now on full alert. Starting, <laughs> look out for the big day. dude, <laughs> and they will they will have their early warning reporter radar out there. <laughs> reporter right. asking questions. At three o'clock, hit him. I got him. He's That's on my side. Right. Three right, o'clock well, low. First base dug out. All right. Well, before, security. All right. All right. Enough. 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 Before we talk about the draft, let's just look at the Japan series real quick. So it's opening up today. We're recording on Saturday morning and we've got two games at uh, Kyoseto Dome tonight and tomorrow. Um, the Hanshin Tigers, the Oryx Buffaloes, the defending champion Buffaloes, their third consecutive trip to the Japan Series. Hanshin uh, getting to the Japan Series for the first time since, what was it? Since they won, uh, they advanced through the playoffs in 2014. 14, okay, in 2014. As the, as the Central League's second-place team. I think as the second-place team, and they took on the Hawks, and yeah, a very memorable series there, and uh, so no one had the Arizona Diamondbacks winning, and and so they're in the World Series in the states, and that, that just shows you can't calculate how championships are won. And I say that to say that, yeah, I think obviously we predicted some success for both of these teams. I think we both, most people had them as playoff teams before the season. Here they are reaching the Japan Series. I said most, not all. Uh, <laughs> Jim over there making faces. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but I don't think that a lot of people really believed that they were going to win their respective leagues. And uh, I said both, both were going to yeah, win their That's uh, true. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had Hanshin second, I think, and I had the, uh, or I, I might even had them third, and I had the Buffaloes finishing last. So right, what do right, I know? Right. So these teams met uh, during interleague play. That was in June, June 13th to 15th. The uh, Oryx Buffaloes won two out of three at uh, Koshien Stadium, June 13th through the 15th. Uh, Yoshinobu beat Yoshinobu Yamamoto beat Shoki Murakami 2-0 in the opener. The Tigers won 8-3 the next night. Uh, Yuki Nishi was the winner. And then in the finale, uh, Oryx won that the rubber game. And that was a three-two decision. And uh, Jacob Wagaspak, uh, the, the our buddy uh, mm-hmm. from from earlier this season and last season, got the win in that game. So um, yeah, I, I I think it's going to be that close. And uh, I, I I think I, I think I'm seeing the Buffaloes with the better, maybe deeper lineup, more consistent lineup in some aspects. But they're just really close to me. It's uh, you know the bullpens are really similar. It can bring in a bunch of uh, different arms to to settle or to solve problems or issues that might arise if they want to attack a specific problem in a in a specific way with a pitcher, and then they have guys who can give them length. And then uh, the closer situation probably is similar in that. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's similar, but uh, the the Tigers have had one guy who has been very good. And has been adequate, although he's not a shutdown. You know, he gives up some base runners. But uh, the the Buffaloes have had several guys in that position in that role, 
And so you don't know exactly what's going to go on from game to game. So that should be interesting to see what happens in late game situations with the works Buffalo's bullpen. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the Diamondbacks are where I think actually no one thought they'd ever be. And so uh, I, I don't think anybody I, I don't think anybody sits and looks at this series and says, oh, the Tigers are definitely going to win. And uh, but I, I'm going to I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to say Tigers in six games. And um, let me know what you think about that. <laughs> well, I think I think the Buffalo's in six and I will. uh explain why although i'll i'll my my thinking on this series is oryx has the the talk has uh, has been a bit about how uh, akinobu okada likes a fixed lineup mm-hmm. and certainly one of the the trademarks of his team this year the tigers had a guy they couldn't decide whether he was a right fielder or a third baseman and a guy they couldn't decide whether he was a third baseman or a first baseman mm-hmm and he said, Okada said, enough of this already. You're at first base and you're at third. Okay, let's move on to the next thing. And it's like, and I, I love uh, Akihiro Yano, the former manager. Mm-hmm. But Okada's like going, you know, why are we talking about this? Just do it. You know, this. let's do this. And uh, Yusuke Oyama, who moved from third to first, became, you know, he replaced Munetaka Murakami as the Central League's on-base machine, uh-huh. which was a huge part of their offense. That 99 walks this year. And so that's the one of the differences between these two teams. And as you said, um, and or as the people are saying, they're not wrong to say that, I mean, Hanshin will shuffle people in and out of the lineup as well. Um, a lot of that has been due to the development of rookie outfielder Shota Morishita, mm. who has, who is probably the, the, to me is sort of the, the piece of the puzzle that didn't show up in the team's overall numbers this year, because the player he is now is not the player he was for the season as a whole. He's, a, and it's never a question of what teams actually did during the season, but actually who the players are. Right. You know, are they good players? I mean, you know, if they're hurt or something, that's another issue. But it's really a question of who has the best talent. And also, uh, Oryx may be, may be at least from a fielding perspective, which is kind of needs to be in quotation marks. Yutaro Sugimoto, mm-hmm. maybe without him. Uh, I mean, he actually does occasionally make plays in the outfield, but he has a bad ankle or he had a bad ankle. We did not see him yesterday. So he probably will not be playing in the outfield. And I think an interesting thing will be to see what happens when Oryx plays his first postseason games of the year outside of Osaka Dome and on the grass at Koshien because at Osaka Dome during the Climax series, they had Yutaro Sugimoto in left and Tomoyo Mori in right in three of those four games. Mm. And I'm guessing Koshien has the biggest, I mean, by far has the biggest left and right fields in Japan. Just a huge um, power alleys. And you really, against a team like the Hanshin Tigers, who hit 34 doubles, uh, excuse me, hit 34 triples this year, which was the most in Japan. Not not a historic number, but a lot. Mm. And they allowed nine, which is fewest. Now, mm. this is a number you very rarely see because triples are so park dependent. 
you know, typically you'll see the teams that hit lots of triples allow because they play in Nagoya Dome or they play in Koshien. The Tigers are really good. <laughs> they are really good. At, they have a really good outfield. I mean, Sheldon Noisy may have, may have hit 240, but he uh, makes the generally, I mean, yeah, okay, we're all human, but he generally makes the plays and he's got soft me. hands in the outfield. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's not fast, but he, you know, he gets the job done and the other guys can really play defense. So uh, that's a thing. Anyway, uh, so the Tigers are fast. They're all they're the the speed and base running team. They're NPB's uh, probably fastest team right now, and that's interesting. The Buffaloes are not particularly fast. They are a very good defensive team, but this is the series. It's like they're both they're all good pitching and defense and batting, but the they're. The Tigers are kind of an extreme team. Their defense are, is really good, but it's largely based on A, their outfield, and B, their ability to turn double plays this year, which was remarkable. Uh, the On the other hand, Oryx is, is a very normal, balanced team, but their pitching is you know, off the charts in terms of, of power. Well, not quite off the charts. The DNA was a better power pitching team than them, but uh, not the complete package power pitching team because they gave up so many home runs. Mm-hmm. Oryx didn't give up like any home runs. So there's, that's, that's the thing. And the Tigers didn't hit any home runs either. So this is, all, this is all really interesting, all these little parts and their defense is really good, but they're not good with double plays. They're not particularly good at preventing stolen bases, which is a, 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 tar, a part of the tie, which is the, the Tigers alternative for hitting home runs. I mean, the Tigers right. allowed more home runs than they hit, but of course they hit four more, four, four times as many triples as they allowed basically. So they make up with it their speed really fascinating series but the tigers also struck out more than anybody in japan pretty much but they walked more than anybody else they too, did so but uh here they're going to face a team that pretty much strikes everybody out and they yeah. strike everybody out in the pacific league which is different from striking everybody out in the central league because it's, it's, t- it's a little tougher league and uh, that's the last time i'll say that so i think i don't think so uh, <laughs> And you don't think so. Oh, no, no, I don't think that's the last time you say that. Uh no, that I'm good with that. Anyway, the I think my feeling of this is of this series is that if the Buffaloes are gonna win, they're gonna sweep games one and two at Osaka Dome and then survive Koshan. But if they split at Osaka Dome, I could see the Tigers sweeping, and I, I I don't know I sweep them because Oryx is just resilient. Yeah, both of these teams are quite resilient. I don't see them sweeping, um, but I think that's a the Tigers are easy favorites to win two of three in at Koshien because it's it's not the normal environment for the uh, Pacific League teams. It's the only dirt infield left in Japan, and it's a different kind of park. And unlike uh, Osaka Dome, which is the Tigers' alternate home park, so they're playing essentially sure, at home yeah. and home. Yeah, they know that uh, park too. Yeah, they know it well. And as you, the Yuki Nishi, who you mentioned, is a former Buffalo, so he knows that park really well too. Yep. So anyway, I, I like the tie. I like the Buffaloes in six, but it's it's just it's going to be really fun because of all these very subtle contrasts. Yes, and one last thing: the the managers very both very sharp, so it'll be fun to watch them work yeah. against each other. Yeah, 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 and both 
pretty understated. Um, at least we know that Nakajima is understated because we can understand what he's saying. Um, Akinobu Okada sometimes needs uh, subtitles in Japanese for what he's saying. Grimace. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I I'm very fond of both these guys. Uh, they don't. You know they'll you know they'll they'll say their mind, but anyway, I, I like both these guys. Should be really fun. Uh, that's that's my prediction. It should be fun. All right, uh, let's transition, make a two seam transition, and talk about the draft that t- uh, took place this past Thursday. And for the first time since 2019, spectators were allowed to uh, be in the in in the draft hall there that they had mm. at the at the location so at the venue so uh i found the draft to be typical um there were some interesting names i i found yes indeed <laughs> uh yeah i didn't obviously don't follow the college and and high school ranks like our buddy deanna rubin does but yeah uh, interesting and, and, names and two and two different players named Nishidate, which is a name I'd never even heard of before. Yeah, I hadn't heard that name very much and, at uh, all. And before. the son of a former player. <laughs> yeah, but I think the for me, and this is just personal, the most interesting thing was the uh fact that the, the Chunichi Dragons were first up and we know that they can't score and they were looking for some offensive help and a player rated uh, out of the corporate leagues rated to be the best hitter. Uh, Ryuki Watarai, uh, an mm-hmm. outfielder, uh, with the, uh, with the, uh, Ichiro, you know, throws right, bats left kind of play. And apparently his father played for the Yakult Swallows. Yakult Swallows, he did. And, uh, so they, they picked him, but of two other teams picked him as well. And of course the Dragons con- continued their track of losing just about everything possible to lose and they lost out in the draft lottery in this respect yeah, that's they, what i was thinking when i was watching tatsunami go up there and not win i think it loser yes yeah yeah but this just continues <laughs> I don't know, I'm just me i was just mean it's not it's, not, it's just this year this year has just really been anything that can be lose, lost has been lost it seems uh so anyway uh and then uh, yeah, like you said, the 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 a lot of the drama comes with the the fact that they have these lotteries to get the draft rights to these players. And um, but this this kid Watarai ends up he's from I guess he played at Yokohama High School, and mm-hmm. uh, and the DNA Bay Stars uh, got the draft rights for him. So that was fun to see his reaction, and and he's going someplace. We went. You know, the other thing to remember is we we. We see these players and we just assume that they're going to be great players and they're going to help out right away. And some of them don't. So that's the oh, thing sure. to keep in mind. So uh, and then right after the Dragons uh, tried to get some offense, they ended up taking a pitcher and then a couple of infielders. So they got two batters and then they went pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. And then uh, I think in the de- developmental draft, they took some more hitters. But so I guess we can either expect more of their failed offensive woes next year or <laughs> maybe they'll bring in some imports who can actually help or maybe not <laughs> what maybe was your not. biggest impression from the draft? my i mm, my biggest impression was yeah how many lotteries i mean they only have lotteries now in the first round but we had four on the first round of picks so all the teams secretly you know, they punch in who is their guy and then they show up on the screen. And then every time uh, somebody picks the same player as another team, you can hear the, the oohs and ahs. We're going to have some drama. And then the, the, the nice thing was on TV, they color coded 
the sure. uh, the picks so that you could see which teams picked the same player, which I thought was very friendly. Sure, that we was friendly. good. So we had four in the first group, and that was uh, 10, t- 10 teams went after four different players in the first round, which was quite a lot. Uh, nobody was the overwhelming pick. Uh, as I said, Yuki Watarai was picked by, selected by three teams. And the, the guy, the Seibu Law, the pitcher, left-handed pitcher from, uh, Kokugaku, Kokugaku University, uh, went to the Seibu Lions in a three-way draft. And his, t- okay. And typically the Japanese media, the, you know, they'll talk about the players. After after they have the first round draft or after they have the first two rounds, the managers will all go off to a separate hall where each team has a stand with the team colors behind them. And it says draft day and the mm-hmm. TV will ask a question and the reporters will ask questions. And, you know, you ask the play, the managers and questions. And typically, if they've won a lottery, the question that is always asked is, what are you wearing? To bring you luck or why did you go with the left hand as opposed to the right hand or something yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly your, and your... so the answer this year was did you wear to kazuo matsui who pulled the sabu lions manager uh, kazuo matsui pulled the winning lot for in one of the the other three team lottery did you wear red underpants because of uh, the same being the same color as uh, Kokugakuin University and red being a, a, a lucky color in Japan. And he said, yes, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, so that was kind TMI, of the TMI, baby. TMI. Yeah, exactly. And that so, was for uh, Natsuki Takeuchi, the, the yes, left-handed pitcher. Yeah, yeah. correct. So uh and then you know everybody says oh we expect this much from this guy and blah 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 but you know what color (laughs) what color is your tie and why are you wearing that tie and i remember alex ramirez said because this is the one my wife picked out for me thank you and good night (laughs) exactly because (laughs) it was the first it was the first one i found when i was looking for a tie today you know and they're, they're so disappointed and what kind uh, of stupid question is that? Yeah, but they're required. This is a a, a feature of uh, sports reporting the world over. Some editors and uh, bosses want questions that really nobody wants except sports editors, and the readers are only entertained because they're used to seeing them. But those are actually I'm constantly entertained, and those are the stories I typically write about when I go to the draft. Well, I tell you this: that you know, you hear the questions, you understand why they don't know what an MVP looks like. So that's all I had to say about uh, that. Very good. Very good. <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah, so the the draft was fun. I did see. Uh, yeah, I skipped through those things. On the, I did record the entire thing, and I came home and watched it. And they had a few features on TV and. Um, I, I thought the features were really that was far more interesting than the draft was the story of two or three people with compelling human dramas. Yeah. And, and I think I had I even had to show this that one of them, it's uh, uh, Naoki Hinata, who went to the Rock 10 Eagles in the mm-hmm. third round of the draft, the pitcher who had a, a uh, his ear wasn't properly formed. His left ear, he, his, right? Yeah, his he left was ear. born with a deformed ear. Yeah, 
And so that story is really great. So that yeah, I don't it know was, how... and they did a whole little like docudrama. Yeah, it was had awesome. Act, kids acting, and it was absolutely wonderful. And the, awesome. and the other one with the the guy who basically learned baseball from his mom. Yeah, yeah. So they're I, really I, I compelling thought, stories. Yeah, this is you know get rid of the draft, just show these kids stories, and it was really interesting. And what was me trying to? I was I had you know I was crying watching the. the I did. I, I I cried twice, but I the thing that I was trying to show my wife. Is I said, you know, it's not all about who who won. You know, it's it's about how these guys got here and how how they win, you know, and how or lose or whatever it is. It's not the it's not the final score, you know. So and the, the I'll, I have one last comment, which was the three in the okay, typically we'll see if a typical draft, you know, the like there might be one guy who gets picked like like uh Yusei Kikuchi gets picked by six teams mm-hmm. and then you know three teams two teams and so on there was three teams okay there was one left-handed high school pitcher who was really highly thought of but the problem was there were a bunch of corporate league and university guys who who were you know who are ready to pitch now pretty much they want a short step there's a lot of pitch ability so the one High school pitcher Yugo Maeda, who was the ace pitcher for Japan and the recently in Japan won the the world the under eighteen World Cup for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Yugo Maeda from Osaka Toin High School, like everyone's supposed to come from, I suppose. Right. Uh, he he was really considered a top level pick, but he didn't. None of the teams named him the first time. They could have got him, but. Nobody named him. Everybody went after the other guys, and the Hawks won him in a three-way draft. And the look on his face. Now he apparently—I didn't know this is his norm—but this guy is so deadpan. He mm-hmm. only when he's in public, he's basically got one look, which is "I'm not impressed." <laughs> on the mound, you know, they showed video of him on the mound looking not impressed with striking out guys or guys hitting him completely unfazed seemingly by anything it's his it's his game face he had his game face on the draft i'm thinking there is is there a reason he didn't want to go pitch for the softbank hawks but uh they explained now this is just the way he is but he was drafted he was one in a three-way uh alternate draft pick and went to the softbank hawks so they got a prize even after missing out on their prize which is pretty rare yeah, it figures the rich get richer and the poor. Of get course, poorer. winning the lottery is no thing because you know some of my some a lot of my favorite players were alternates. I mean, Tetsuya Yamada gotcha. is my favorite. The Yuki Saito, the Swallows wanted Yuki Saito and they failed to get him, and and then they tried to get uh, Shiomi Takahiro Shiomi, and they lost that draft. And it's like, okay, let's go for this kid from from. To, from Osaka, this high school kid. And actually, they had to win a draft to get him. And then they got Tetsuya Yamada, who was their best player for about 10 years. So, All right. Uh, one note, we do have the top players from uh, September, October. That was uh, for the hitters for the uh, Central League, Teruaki Sato of Hanshin. And uh, the pitcher for the Central League was Katsuki Azumu, who went 5-1 and one, and was all Both world. Both obvious, month. really obvious choices. Both 
bang up ends to the season. Right. And then in the Pacific League, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, I I had I had either him or, or Kohei Arihara. They both had huge finishes. So I, I didn't know which of those guys were gonna do it. But the Pacific League batter of the month was what did they pick they pick Ukyo Shuto out of a box? Yeah, yes. Oh, you know they, yes. they had a bu- they had a bunch of, <laughs> they had a bunch of guys who who were basically eight hundred OPS guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think they had six guys who had eight hundred OPSs in or September. Bu- or, yeah, at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. And nobody was over nine hundred. Ukyo Shuto, according to the website, hit three forty for September and October and stole twelve bases. But that's the kind of month it was. It was a uh, you say Sato, I think it would have been my pick. And you know, he, he hit two, yeah, he hit 290 and he drew, I think, 23 walks in September. Oh, my God, how do you do that? You get a piece of paper and a pen. <laughs> oh, very good. You're artistic. Yeah, okay, right. All right, so that's uh, that was the last one, and we'll see what the uh, media does for the MVP. Let's go to I can, field. I, I can tell you what happened with my MVP picks. I my my I posted mine on online and uh I got and Jason Koskri had to explain to me how come my 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 typically my central league ballot gets about a half a million views on Twitter. And the the my central league ballot typically gets a half a million, and my Pacific League ballot typically gets about three hundred thousand. And this year, my Pacific League ballot got a million. And no. Jason explained why, and it didn't ever occur to me why, because uh, I didn't give Yoshinobu Yamamoto a first, second, or third place vote in the MVP. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, that that's cool. That's that is so funny. Uh, going, I looked at all the comments. Every other one was where's Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Of course, of course. All right. All right, let's go to fielding questions. All right, we've had a couple of these on deck for a little bit. So let's start with the the, the MP3 and Mike in Detroit. Hey John and Jim, this is Mike over in Detroit. Um of the many contributions the two of you have made over the years in terms of pulling back the curtain, providing insight for baseball fans outside of Japan, I feel like one of the absolute biggest is opening our eyes to the depth and the variety of challenges that foreign players face in terms of cultural adjustment, both on the field and off. It's the type of thing I think we all assume should be a minor bump in the road until we get a glimpse of how wide and all-encompassing it is. And then it starts to make sense why it can take so much time and, as a result, why so many talented players are on a clock, so to speak, to make those adjustments before they wear out their welcome. And it's got me thinking. The biggest ratio of high-end foreign talent to short leashes consistently comes from either Yomiri or Hanshin. And I wonder if that doesn't present actually an opportunity for other clubs. Is it possible that there's a market inefficiency to exploit where NPB teams scoop up one-year cast-offs from the Giants or Tigers after the shine has worn off and give them an opportunity that they may now actually be in a better position to seize. It would essentially be like allowing the Giants to foot the bill for their adjustment period and then getting them likely even at a discount when they're actually more ready to contribute immediately. I think about Gregory Polanco as an example of this. I looked up his numbers, and the rates are actually pretty similar from this year to last, but he did cut down on his strikeouts and added five more homers and ended up driving in almost 20 more runs for Chiba this year. 
Now, it's obviously easy to cherry pick examples, and not every guy's going to necessarily even want to dive back in for a second try after the first one didn't work out. But could or should this, I guess, big market second chance guy pool be a group that other players or other teams rather consider even more valuable than bringing over a first year guy who's fresh and hasn't gone through this period? Or am I grasping at straws and generally these guys either figure it out after 300 ABs or they don't? Thanks as always for the content. You guys are legends. All right. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. So I love the angle from which you're viewing. Um, I, I guess I've seen a lot of examples of the Giants uh, picking up some players, expecting a lot from them, and then and pick, by picking up, I mean bringing over some import players and expecting a lot from them and then having to give up or not play them, uh, give up on them, send them to the minor leagues or cut them all together. So and that's since I got here in 2005. Uh, so the idea that a team would say, Hey, uh, we're going to pick up what the Giants are putting down kind of makes sense. And I, I guess Polanco has had a good season here with the Marines, but he basically did the exact same thing that he, he did. did. It was with, a carbon copy. Yeah. So, so to say that that could be a, a, a blueprint for other teams, if, if the Giants let somebody go, I, I'm not sure that happens, but uh, Jose Lopez is probably the best example of that. He is a player who came over to the Giants and, you know, he was a, he did fine. He, he played enough. Uh, yeah, but he hit it. his problem was the Giants signed him to be a second baseman. And you know where that goes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. Tatsunori Haro for into the five rump. years signed it, had a different player every year who was going to be his second baseman for the, when he came back in 2005, three, four, five. Five. When he came back in 2006. I thought it was five. No, three. that's when Hold I started. On, 2003, four, five. It was no, no, it was 2006. Right. When he came back in 2006, he went through five straight years where, and three of them were imports. Uh, our second baseman of the year, and Jose Lopez was one of those guys. Yeah. So, uh, but he went to the, the Lopez did went to the Bay Stars and and was very very productive for yep. them for for many years. So I guess he's the best case scenario, but I don't think that that's a blueprint. I don't think no. that that's going to set a new trend or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's typically uh, the other way around. The Yakult Swallows started giving out a big money three year contracts because they got tired of Yomiuri signing their guys after they were finished after two. Exactly, exactly. And and there's there's a longer list of players, a huge list of players who have gone to the Giants, whom I think other teams decided, you know what, we don't need those guys either because we know their weaknesses maybe better than the Giants do. <laughs> so we're not going to sign their guys even when they let them go. So I, 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 I although I, it, it worked out for Lotte in this sense that, that sure. Polanco did well mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and helped them get into the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. I, 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 I let, let's put it this way. A Adam Walker had, you know, he's has played there a couple seasons and he has some, deficiencies defensively that we've talked about that have been discussed but, but he, could, he could certainly he could be an everyday player for most teams in npb and yeah but they would have to the circumstances have to be right and sure. uh you know and, and that's that that is one option and we'll see what happens with lewis brinson mm. uh he played well for the team sure. uh when he got his chances but uh, if he, if they let him go i'm not sure another team wants him or not. We'll I would see. bet, I would bet there are teams who, that would want him because I, I think there are teams that say, you know, basically just let this guy play and make adjustments on every day and 
watch and see what they can do. The the whole a big challenge for almost every a big question for every player, no matter what the scouts say, no matter what numbers they put up in MLB and in AAA or AA, uh, is can this guy deal with the nonsense? Mm-hmm. And if you've and if you played for the Yomiuri Giants for a year, you can absolutely deal with the nonsense. Your nonsense, your nonsense filter is in fine form. It is. It is <laughs> so, fully developed and, and yeah, exactly. So yeah. these guys, there's a, there is actually a long. I mean, going to the past, there's a long history of guys, um, the Giants discarding only to go on and have good careers with other. Well, many many players actually guys who who proof they could play they could put up with the with the stuff here and then just getting into a better situation where they've thrived yeah and uh, but i think one thing to remember and we have to give credit to our buddy claudio in in toronto who comes on the show uh at the beginning of the season and other times uh he, and i don't think it's specific to yomiri but he, claudio always says that a lot of with the imports if you don't get it that first year the probability is high that you just won't get it and you won't be successful here in japan so taking discarded giants players or no you need somebody who actually does something yeah yeah but uh yeah i thought you know to be honest i thought there'd be more what would you call it incestuous kind of swapping of import players in japan but there just isn't it just doesn't <laughs> Jim making faces but i i just think there isn't a lot you know i just seem <laughs> uncomfortable yeah the incestuous swapping <laughs> is and i gotta get over that <laughs> you like that <laughs> the things that conjure that you conjure up in your yeah <laughs> when please, you hear those please words excuse together. me Please give me rah, rah. so anyway. Uh but yeah, I don't we don't see a lot of it. We just really don't see a lot of it. And and again, uh the dragons had this weird thing in which they let Ariel Martinez go for whatever reason. And yeah. Well, and no, the reason is productive simply, dra- <laughs> with the with the, the fighters. Said, yeah. We got too many ca- the the dragger dra- dragons who probably have half as many catchers as a third as many catchers as Nippon Ham let him go, and the fight the fighters over the winter probably said, "Hey, we've only got twenty guys on our roster who who are catchers or used to be catchers. We need more." Yeah, didn't they draft but, a couple too? Exactly. Yeah, that's as I said to Deanna Rubin. It's just like if you know forty guys on their rosters aren't former catchers, they probably feel like they're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they drafted one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not two. And he, yeah, they took a catcher in the second round. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, fighters and the catchers. All right. So, yeah, interesting question. I love it. Um, mm. next question comes from Eugene in Texas and he sent one uh, via email and he has been waiting for a while. So thank you, Eugene, for your patience. Mm. And uh, I mean, we didn't forget, forget you. We just kind of put you to the side and forgot you that way. But uh, we had so many questions. <laughs> what are you trying to say, John? Yeah, we, we did forget a little bit. I wonder how he broke up with his old girlfriend. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. It's like, did you, did you, are we still seeing each other? You know, because <laughs> you don't call. You put, the, G, you put the, the, the John E. Gibson G in ghosting. <laughs> all right so eugene sent in a question uh and he reminded us that he had sent it in he said which teams have the best slash worst performing former uh, foreign player contingent in 2023 
So uh, I just kind of went off memory. Jim has his computerized thing. And I guess I guess here's what I would set as the parameters for me. Which teams had the most foreign participation in games, number one, because you got to be out there to be able to to qualify. And then let's look at the production after that. Uh, so I would say the best, and I just went off memory having watched as many games as I possibly humanly could this season, I would say it was the Swallows were number one because they had Sai Sneed, Jose Osuna, uh, Domingo Santana, and Dylan Peters on the mound. And those guys gave him a lot of games and a lot of success as well. And then number two for me would be the Bay Stars with uh, Neftali Soto, Trevor Bauer, J.B. Wendelkin, uh, J.B.W., and then Edwin Escobar and others. Uh, they got a lot of uh, production from foreign players. So I would put them number two. And then the third for me would be a, almost a flat foot tie. But I, I give the nudge to the carp uh, because uh, Matt Davidson played most of the games. He played more games than any of the other uh, giants, All you know, uh, not combined, but any other individual giant. So Matt Davidson played a lot for them. Uh, Ryan McBroom played early on. Nick Turley had a lot of innings for them. Uh, so I, I, and uh, yeah, uh, and, and Drew Anderson also uh, in the second half really picked up a lot of innings for them. Robert so I, Cornell pitched. You know they had good around the yeah. around the horn kind of. But the Giants had Lewis Brinson, Adam sure. Walker, Johander Mendez, uh, Foster Griffin. They had mm-hmm. a, a lot of guys contribute, but I, I, I just I think they were better contributions on the carp side. Yeah, what about typically, you? well, typically, yeah, pretty typical. Uh, Swallows and carp have been the teams that have been most efficient and most efficient, not only in getting the best players. I mean, they don't always get the best players, but they've been the most efficient at getting um, the bargain players, guys who are really productive, who are affordable, because that's really the name of the game for Yakult and, and even more so Hiroshima. Uh, so they were good at that. The base stars, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say, actually, I had the carp higher than the base stars, but they were not far apart. Uh, the giants, I thought, were very respectable, which is new, which is a new thing for them because typically, like I said, the 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 imports they get are mostly are guys that either the good ones are guys who we find out they're good after they left the giants. Mm-hmm. largely <laughs> they have had a few big successes scott matheson was a huge success for them uh miles michaelis was a huge uh success for them but for the most part it's been hit and miss and i suspect they've they tried to address that they've got i think you know like typical giants fashion they went from basically one or zero uh, former you know mlb or uh u.s scouts to i think they've got four to six now Mm-hmm. Because you know, if one's good, six has got to be better. <laughs> I mean, what says, about... Nothing says Yomiuri quite like that. Yeah. All right. As far as the worst, you want to go first, or you want me to go first? What worst? Yeah, the well, worst. I think about worst, worst performing. Oh, okay. All right, I'll go. Uh, the Eagles. Michael Franco basically was their only foreign contributor the whole season, and he played in a lot of games. He hit. 221 had 12 home runs but i i, I just think i was going to say the dragons first because i watched so many dragons games and tried not to watch you know as a dragons fan this year it was you know put one hand over one eye and change the channel you know <laughs> but i 
I somehow the channel would get back to the dragons or I'd look on my app and see that they had a runner on base and that they were, you know, they might have a chance to sniff home plate. And then you, you change the, you flip the channel over and it's like, you know, they're swinging at bad pitches. Anyway, don't, don't bring up, don't conjure up these bad memories. Um, uh, Diane Vicieta was basically a no-show this season. So they just had Rydell Martinez and that was the end of that. And uh, they had some, Play, games played early on with their foreign contingent uh but <laughs> their decisions were really poor in terms of bringing a guy back they knew really couldn't play defensively and he didn't hit and then bringing in a guy who struck out a lot and expected him not to strike out but maybe to hit some home runs by accident but he just put on an exhibition of how to miss pitches and then <laughs> uh Orlando Cariste who had some good uh, games at the end of the season when the games didn't matter anymore in September. <laughs> he did fairly well. So I have them as my, uh, I guess, uh, at eight, at 11 with the Eagles. At, uh, I guess, no, the Eagles would be at 12, the Dragons at 11, and the 10. 10 was the fighters. And I think I did mention that Ariel Martinez played well for them as a catcher and first baseman. But other than that, they got some occasional pitching here uh, mm-hmm. occasional uh, contributions from some position players here and there, but not much else. And so I have them uh, as the the 10th ranked team in terms of their import contingent gym. Yeah, I, I think I would, I, I'll go with the Eagles at the bottom, the fighters again. They probably, they said to, to Alan Hansen and Ares Mende um, Alcantara, it's like, We'd like you to play more. Did you used to be a catcher? Yeah. <laughs> or can you play first base? Because they seem like they put yeah, a lot they of had guys to throw at first everybody base at first base. That was the <laughs> the other thing. It's like, you know, where, where's first? That one over there. Oh, okay, good. You can do it. Go yeah. go for it. We'll get you a glove tomorrow. Don't worry about it today. Yeah. Alan Hansen, the guy whose name sounds very American and probably doesn't speak a lot of English because all his interviews were done in Spanish. So (laughs) no problem. Brian Rodriguez was back. Yeah. I mean, no reason why they have good scouting, too. I I have to think their their difficulties are more to do with the the team's decision the last couple of years to be uh, bargain hunters. And to, yeah, have a, a mascot as a manager. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay, who works who works cheaply. So yeah. Yeah, and, and is a big draw. So who can who can who can Yeah, this doesn't matter. Baseball, yeah. Yeah, you'll win some games later. Make money in the meantime. Hey, um so not? yeah, but awesome questions. Thank you very much, yes. Gene. Thank you very much, Mike in Detroit. And uh we have a one more at least for sure on deck. Uh but we appreciate the questions from this week, the MP3 that we got last week. Everybody taking their time to listen to the show. Much appreciated. Hope you're listening uh, throughout the Japan series. Anyone else who has a question, hit us up at JBW Podcast on Twitter.com. X, uh, use the hashtag high heat, send questions by email to yakyujohn at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page. And then we got Glenn. Glenn linked in on the uh facebook page and so he that did. was cool yeah yeah showed up yeah i'm glad uh cool. look Thank for you, us Glenn. on itunes make sure you uh download this rss radio app to listen to us instead of uh, google podcasts which will be discontinued after this year we will talk to you next week enjoy the japan series see you at those osaka ballparks follow 
Follow the hosts on Twitter at JVW Podcast and at JBallAllen. Submit your questions with hashtag High Heat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode.